0: Hey guys, I'm Norman.
1: And I'm Cassandra.
0: If you enjoy this show,
1: and we hope you do,
0: consider checking out Second Breakfast, our weekend edition podcast exclusively for Patreon supporters.
1: Where we discuss things mostly related to Lord of the Rings, including cast filmographies, The Silmarillion, and much more.
0: For $5 a month, you'll get access to this and other Patreon-exclusive Dueling Genre content.
1: Head over to duelinggenre.com support to find out more, and thank you very much for listening. Hello, and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one promise at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson.
0: I'm Norman Mitchell.
1: And joining us again today, we have Andrew and Kestra Dorowski from the Disney Minute podcast or Disney Animation Minute Essentials. Hello. Yes. Yeah.
2: We're glad to be back.
1: Yeah,
3: we are glad. Andrew's already getting teary eyed. You
2: <laughs> said, said the word promise. He said one promise at a time and it started getting to me already.
1: So today, we'll be talking about Minute 198, which starts with Sam completely going into the boat, and ends with Aragorn donning Boromir's uh, bracers, or <sighs> what are they called? Gauntlets.
0: No, those are bracers. They're not gauntlets.
1: They call them gauntlets in the commentary, so yeah, I got confused.
2: But the gauntlets are like a glove.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so bracers. Learned, ah.
2: learned that from The Legend of Zelda. <laughs>
1: Uh, lots of lots of emotions in this minute.
2: Mm-hmm. Lots of feels for for multiple characters. Yes, this, finally, this might yeah. be the most emotional minute of of the movie that you could piece <laughs> together. Like the content of this minute.
1: I, watch, I don't know. Watching Boromir die for two and a half weeks was pretty rough.
2: <laughs> but now you have to watch his burial. Yeah, so his
1: funeral. I I mean, I think after watching it minute by minute. I'm just glad that he's finally at rest at this yeah. point because it's just like, okay. Has it been like
2: we... like a month that he's been tormented?
1: Yeah. Just like two like straight emotionally weeks, just like him... and
2: then physically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we see him
0: like at his lowest point and then at his highest point and then he's gone. Yeah. Mm.
2: It was a rough time.
3: Rough.
2: <laughs> glad to get a nice send off.
3: I know. We, we don't we really- get anything like that on our podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: nope. i love his um like quasi viking funeral
0: yeah yeah i did so you mentioned it and there's a thing about it that i there's a there's a visual from the book that goes along with it that's not in the movie that i always wanted which in the book they pile this little barge high with the weapons and shields of the Urukai he killed.
1: Oh dude. And send
0: them
2: off with him. That's oh. what I was just thinking about. That was such and, a, like, that's one of the few things that's way, way better in the book. And that visual isn't part
0: of this shot, and it has always made me a little sad, because I always wanted to see him carried off into the afterlife on the weapons
2: of his slain enemies. <laughs> and, I mean, like, he did a good job it, it, just before his death. Like, he took out a lot of guys.
0: Mm-hmm. So I... it, it's not hard
2: to—they don't have to go far to find that pie. Right. But I know, I know why that's not what we get out of
0: that sh- out of this shot, and it's because they kind of just forgot to film this for so long. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Like that's how it sounds to me when Barry Osborne tells the story of this shot—is that like Peter Jackson had just been so busy with so many other things, but this had already been storyboarded, and then while the film was. Already in the process of being scored, Peter was like, Barry, I need that shot. <laughs> so they built oh. a silicone dummy of Sean Bean because he wasn't <laughs> available to film it in four days and did this shot with it.
2: Wow.
3: Wow. That's crazy.
2: But I wish they had been able to, like, go to the the supply area and pick up some of the helmets and swords and stuff.
0: <laughs> like, maybe that was never a part of, like, what Peter Jackson had storyboarded mm-hmm. for it, but... To me, it's such an iconic visual from the book.
1: I I like I w- it in theory, um, but I do. I think I really appreciate the minimalistness. Minimal. I don't know the minimal minimalism. Nat- yeah, there we go. Words are hard right now. <laughs> the the minimalism of the shot because the last time we see the shield, uh, it's when it's like before Boromir goes dark side, basically. Yeah. So I like that it's front and center with him after he has reclaimed his his mind and like proven himself in battle and like like basically like he
0: well he's reunited with a shield because he died defending something yeah
1: yeah so i like that and i think the the other weapons would have cluttered that a little bit um and it's so the shot is so beautiful um and like you know we, we spent a week talking about how the uruk weapons are so ugly so <laughs> i i so i appreciate it in theory i think if like if if boromir's funeral had went down any other way like not on the river like if they you know had like burned him like darth vader then like i could see like a funeral pyre made of like the fallen you know, stuff of his enemies, because that would be really badass. But like, I really appreciate this particular shot. Yeah.
0: it. I mean, it's a little thing for me because mm-hmm. I do really like this shot, too. It's just that's always been one of the visuals from the book that whenever I think of like big parts of the story, mm-hmm. I always think of the departure of Boromir and him being pushed off into the afterlife, you know, surrounded by his his prizes from his last stand <laughs>
2: You know, it's a very like warrior mentality, yeah, yeah i I mean it it's a it's a good sequence, both in the book and in the movie mm-hmm. yeah. it's effective. there's not
0: a there's not a lot of things, like individual moments really, that I think the book just did better because for the most part the just the adaptation work is so good. I'm just like it doesn't matter which you're you're reading or you're watching. It, it all works. It's all good. It all works together. This is just one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, I, I think the book was better for this moment for Boromir. Yeah.
1: I think what? we had a moment like that with um, Galadriel, where we decided that her speech in the book was way better.
0: Yeah, it's longer. And yeah. I, I get why they cut some of it like yeah. for, for flow time on screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I think this really is probably one of the very best adaptations that's ever been made, as far oh, as yeah, films I'm are like, concerned. Uh, like, yes. Like, yes uh it 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 does something that very few adaptations are ever able to do and i i don't know exactly what that is to describe it mm-hmm. but it does it <laughs> it's it's
0: somewhere between the fact that this just sticks so close to the original themes of the work it's adapting
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it doesn't try to really like modernize those themes Mm -hmm. It tries to stick very close to the way that they were originally presented, which a lot of adaptation work tries to take the themes and put them in the context of like the modern world.
1: Well, I think that the themes themselves are so timeless that they work for adaptation because even though this this story happens in a made up land like, you know, a long time ago and like not a galaxy far, far away, but, you know, like a really long time ago because it's a mythology And because it's a mythology, I think that it's the themes really stand the test of time and really work whatever um, environment or whatever time period that you're kind of telling them in, you know,
0: so it makes it a little easier. And yet there's so many mythological adaptations that just don't work. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, so many. Cassandra, I'm really disappointed in myself because you just like made that mention of this being a long time ago and then you mentioned Star Wars being a long time ago. Yeah. And I just ruined myself by thinking, oh, there's a ton of fan fiction where someone from Star Wars made it into Middle Earth, isn't there? <laughs> because they're like, they're both Probably. a long time ago. They just traveled.
1: Probably. And I'm
2: like, no, no, I don't want it right. No, Jedi and Sith
0: are not a part of Iluvatar's plan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, like my brain really. Part of the great music. Music.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's okay. You you oh, just yeah. put them close enough for my brain to say, "Hey, no." <laughs> <laughs> wait a second! Wait a second! <laughs> bad bad idea! Wrong road!
1: Hit the brakes! Hit the brakes!
0: <laughs> Good idea! Bad idea!
2: <laughs> um, oh, that's
0: really funny. That is really funny. <laughs>
2: but fantastic. I think I think you you are right about the the way it can be an adaptation like there's something so fundamental about the themes of the story that they can remain very true to it even if things aren't exactly the same the feeling mm-hmm. is so well captured in the films yeah um, and conveyed
0: and, and they took such special care with the changes that they do make that it just feels natural and not counter to what was going on in in the book yeah Moments are more often than not a moment is expanded rather than created.
2: Yeah. And I think it's different from, from other adaptations you get with like superheroes or uh, Harry Potter or, or, you know, so many things that get adapted. Sherlock Holmes, even um, where they just said, we really, really, really care about doing this right. And if we have to make a decision, it's never going to be persuaded by not caring enough. Right. Um, it, it's never like a financial decision. It's like we like, except for what the, the planter, they can't,
1: like, yeah.
2: <laughs> they can't do it. Like we can't, Sorry do it. you can't, you can't get this one. We cannot um,
1: physically make this happen.
2: <laughs> but, but yes, you can't you know no. when they make changes, it's just done with all this care, whether it's a positive or a negative, if they have to add something or take something away, they are being very conscientious and conscious and careful about it mm-hmm. um, in a way that most things in Hollywood Like, there's going to be someone that kind of breaks your spirit from letting you do that. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really special kind of adaptation where most of the other time, you you know, with Harry Potter and stuff, they're like, okay, it's a different director. So you like they just emotionally, they can't have the same sort of established caring that Peter Jackson gets to do all of these.
3: Right. Right. And it it makes it seem like adaptation is not the right word for it. Because knowing that so many other films that are adapted from from comic books or mm-hmm. or novels or anything they they change so much and they make it an yeah, adaptation you. yeah whereas, whereas this is this, like
2: i want to say maybe like translation would be a better term for it
3: right yeah uh,
2: I think translation I like from one medium into yeah. another I like Instead that. of an adaptation, it's like, we're taking what we can and we're making it work in films. Like, no, we're taking the meaning of this and we're putting it into this medium.
3: Yeah. Adaptation makes it seem like they are changing things on purpose and like mm-hmm. they have to change things. And and whereas, whereas it, this...
2: this is like, uh, here's one art form, here's another. It, it's like if you painted a sculpture, but you wanted to convey what that sculpture meant. Exactly. Hmm. Um, well, I think so it's a different it's I a different that... thing
3: at its
1: core, like adaptation is that, um, like essentially like you are, you are transferring one work of art to another medium of that work. Like, you know, um, and I think a lot of, like we were talking about earlier, like the reason that a lot of other adaptations seem to not get it a hundred percent right is I feel like there isn't the passion behind it. And I, I feel like Peter Jackson and Fran and um, Philippa Boyens, they do so much research and they put so much of themselves that they really like capture the spirit of the work um, as opposed to just retelling the story.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's it's a special occasion where you get the people with that kind of passion and the ability to do that research and also the ability to execute the good filmmaking that is in mm-hmm. play here.
1: Yeah, it's like everyone in the right place at the right time. Yeah.
0: And yeah, all these it's, actors it's, 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 who either started off as fans or became fans mm-hmm. when they were cast, and everyone just poured so much into this movie. I
1: feel kind of bad comparing, like, I mean, my I, my go to is the Harry Potter movies because I'm really familiar with those, but just everyone was in the right place. Like this was really just a work of of like heart. it was serendipity.
0: Yeah, it was, it was serendipity. Yeah. Like.
1: You, you can't recreate this. I mean, he tried with The Hobbit, but you just... You you can't. <laughs>
0: but I mean, he didn't even get to start... He didn't even get to work on The Hobbit from start to finish.
1: Right.
2: Not there's, really. There There's just things that are special. And this, this movie is a good example of, like, this is something special. And mm-hmm. it, it's not to take away from anything else. But, like, there are things that are really, really special. And yeah. that make a big difference. And I think um, these books and also these films are special in a way that it's really difficult to replicate or capture mm-hmm. or even um, try to imitate with yeah. with anything else. You just you do your best, you work really hard but you have to get lucky to get this kind of special.
1: Yeah. yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, A New Hope in that sense, like the first Star Wars yeah. movie. Right.
2: I was thinking about that some too. It, like, it gets this weird sort of specialness to it mm-hmm. and you, you can't you can't make that happen again.
1: Yeah, you can't yeah. force it.
0: Yeah, you can't
2: you can't manufacture it.
0: Yeah. It just it just happens.
2: But if you get lucky and it's happening, take advantage of it because yeah. you might never see it again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah George Lucas got incredibly lucky <laughs> to mm-hmm. make that first Star Wars movie when he did, how he
2: did. Mm-hmm. And, and Peter the, Jackson the, got
0: just as lucky to have this project
2: like take off. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the sort of lucky serendipity things that are are good for everyone like it, it is a boon to everyone that star wars and these lord of the rings films and the lord of the rings books exist like like so many uh, thousands or probably millions of people benefit from this sort of special thing happening mm-hmm. and it being a, a mass media art form
3: yeah absolutely. that a
2: lot of people can consume
3: and each film and and a novel they They have something that someone can relate to, even if it's just one small thing that that like sparks this interest in it. They there's there's always something for someone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I like I like these movies because of that, like I like how accessible they make this this story. Because it's it really is a beautiful story, and I think that you know everyone should watch Lord of the Rings. But I'm like very biased. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, everyone should also listen to our podcast.
1: <laughs> I don't say that, but I because we talked to a lot of people um, over the course of recording this that either just have started to read the book or just haven't read the book, and I understand that because the book is is. It's, I don't know, it's it's hard work. It's very dry and you have to kind of acclimate yourself to his writing style. And I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily latch onto it very quickly. And yeah. I like how uh, they do such a good job of making the the story and the themes and everything accessible for the average moviegoer. And I yeah. feel like that's a lot of the success of this movie. Yeah. I,
0: think a, I think a lot of people... I think a lot of people also, even if they're somewhat aware of it, kind of make the mistake of trying to read Lord of the Rings so close to or like right after they read The Hobbit. Mm. And you shouldn't. Like when you read The Hobbit.
1: Wait it, 50 years? You,
0: I don't should <laughs> wait 50 years, but well, I think that you should give yourself some time in between reading them. Because if you go into Lord of the Rings with The Hobbit fresh in your mind as a work of writing. Mm-hmm. You are doing nothing but putting up a wall that's like, well, I know this is one narrative. Why isn't this like this other part? Right. You're like, you really need to take a break and realize that, like, this the story you're about to jump into is very different from the one you were just in.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Should, should we talk about Sam and Frodo, like, the first part of this minute? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Because <laughs> I think we've only talked about the
1: end. Yeah, we've talked like, about like very end. Time. Yeah. the last
2: time Five seconds. Yeah.
1: We got lost in adaptation theory land. <laughs> I, can, I can talk
0: about the. I can talk about like my thing at the very end of this minute, at the beginning of next minute, because yeah. we yeah. still
2: see it. So, so, um, like this this sequence is probably, as far as I'm concerned, the best expression of friendship and friendship loyalty that has ever existed as far as i'm concerned like i can't think of anything else that's a better moment of this is what true deep committed friendship is
3: i i wrote down great friendship meaning like this is a wonderful representation of what friendship should be and what friendship
2: can be can be or at least at least could be for some people yes. like it's it's rare to get this kind of friendship
3: this is a Special,
2: but and yeah. So, so wonderful Frodo friendship. <laughs> pulls Sam into the boat, and Sam says, "I made a promise. I'm gonna get choked <laughs> up already." um And, and he says, "Like, he's like, don't you leave him?" And I don't mean to, like, and it, it, like he's saying all these things, and he's he's not saying that he made a promise to Gandalf. Like, no, he just like. He made a generic promise as as much to himself or to Frodo or to the universe mm-hmm. uh, as it was to, to Gandalf. And he says, I don't mean to like I am sticking with it no matter what, yeah. you know, whether whether it kills me in the in, to drown yeah. in the water. Like, I am not going to give this up. It is more important than than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam is one of the few people with that kind of sincerity um, and earnestness that can get away with this sort of thing,
1: yeah, uh,
2: mm-hmm. and and proclaim this kind of friendship and and loyalty, um, and so we live in Utah, and so at the the local comic con, the Salt Lake Comic Con, a couple years ago, Sean Aston was there, oh, and so I went. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I gotta get a Sean Aston <laughs> autograph for me one, and then I've gotta get one for my best friend, and her name's Carly, um, because. Uh, we met in college and one of our bonding things was we watched Rudy together mm. um, when we were in college and like cried watching Sean Astin play Rudy.
0: I haven't <laughs> seen that movie in such a long time.
2: Um, it's so good. He's he's always great. But um, so Sean Astin's at Solid Comic-Con. Well, I need something because like I've loved Rudy since I was a kid. And and uh, it, like and as I've grown up, I've come to understand Sam as like as far as I'm concerned, the most important character in Lord of the Rings. Um and I was like, "Do I need a picture of Rudy or do I need a picture of Sam?" <laughs> I know I'm getting Carly one of, of Rudy. What am I getting? And I had like this great debate while I was driving up and everything. I'm like, "I don't know what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have to decide at the table." <laughs> and That's so funny. um, I think I ended I ended up getting myself Rudy and and also for Carly. But um, I pay for the stuff with the, with you know his his agent or whatever, and I have the two pictures. And they've got, like, a sticky note written, like, who he's supposed to write it to. And he was super nice. Like, he's great. Um, I know he likes Utah. He's filmed movies here. And, and he's said nice things about Utah. So he's happy to be in Salt Lake City for it. Um, and then I say, uh, this one's for me. And he signs it. And I say, this one's for my best friend, Carly. And he says, oh, she's your Sam.
3: <laughs> <gasps> oh, my god. And I start,
2: like, I, like... I'm like at the table meeting Sean Astin and he's like, she's your Sam. I get it. Oh my God. You do get it. Like you didn't just play this character. Like you managed to like be this character for this movie and having him like say that to me. And like, I don't get to see her much because she's, you know, finishing. Mm -hmm. She's going to, you know, start her, her graduate studies in, in opera singing and stuff. I'm like, she is my Sam. And like, (laughs) and I hadn't thought about it like that. And he's like, and he just, like, said that. I'm like, I'm sure he says it to a ton of people, but, like, when he says it,
3: <laughs> I would like, start you quite... have a friend
2: who is like, who is like <laughs> Sam was to Frodo.
3: Yeah. Oh, he's crying and, right now. Aww. And he just,
2: like, and then he, like, signs it. And I'm, like, barely keeping it together at his table. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I need to say thank you to him. And then walk away. And I'm pretty sure, like, I just, like, like, tears on my face as I was walking Aww. away from the table. Because I'm like this person is important to me. And like one of the best ways to um, express it in media is what he did. You know, he did it through the movies um, through all three. And, and I think maybe more in the third one than, than either of the others, but um, for him to say like, Oh, she's your Sam. She's your best friend.
1: That's so wonderful.
2: That is wonderful. What? a Like, uh, it it got me so good. And (laughs) what a wonderful, like every time I watch, yeah, he's so great. Um he's a he's a gem, and if he's ever near you, go pay him for an autograph because it's worth it.
0: Oh, I um, will, because Sam is my favorite character in these um, movies.
2: And, As he or, should
0: be. He's my favorite character in the
2: book. My favorite character in the movie is, is somebody else. But um so now whenever I watch these movies, like it's hard to see Sam on screen and to not get like all those same emotions. Like anytime he's on screen, it's hard for me to keep it together, even when it's not this moment in the boat even when it's like Aragorn picking him up I'm like Sam Sam like I'm always on Sam's team for for everything um because Hashtag I have team this Sam yeah. this connection to him because of friendship like he is the representation of friendship and loyalty and and committed good friendship mm-hmm.
1: um he's like the epitome of ride or die like he he's he's in it to the end and you know Damn anyone else who gets in his. He's way. not just
2: in it yeah. to the end. He's in it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I had to tell that story because, like, just him saying, like, a, like a very small conversation with yeah. me. It's like, ah, like he that's, can't just do that so to good. people, Sean Astin. <laughs> like the emotions you're you're putting forth, you can't just like <laughs> do that casually to everyone at your table. Um, well,
3: he's probably had to like bury those emotions deep inside himself i know i, I bet he's ended up crying because people
2: have told him stories about how sam helped him helped uh, them through something and, and
3: probably also portraying sam like
2: mm-hmm. there were
3: probably moments when it was hard for him as well yeah so he probably um, had to like kind of get himself together and then be like oh i could show this to everybody who i need to
2: but he was so great and made me appreciate my best friend who i appreciated Um, even more because of (laughs) what he said and um, and it's just like it makes all of the Sam content really impactful to me Mm -hmm. it's just pure friendship yeah and and I I see Sam as like the embodiment of that even though at the same time like there is this firm commitment between Sam and Frodo and when they're in the boat this time I was thinking about it as like like they are as purely and long-termly committed to each other as, as a marriage could be mm-hmm. um, at this time. And yet there's, I don't ever get a sense of, of a romantic tension or, or any of that kind of component. And I, I know it's, it, you know, there's a ton of fiction and, and people would love to, to express it that way. But I see this, this friendship, this loyalty and commitment that mm-hmm. can be as strong as a romantic relationship. Um, yeah. but, I, I... but it's just this, this fierce loyalty
1: no, I think you're but, right. Sorry,
2: like, I I took oh, a long uh, no, break to Sam. talk about Sam and my like, <laughs> experience I... getting an autograph from Sean Astin. And...
1: I think you guys are right, though. Like, I mean, as much as I I enjoy kind of playing up there, like the the romantic tension between Frodo and Sam. Sometimes I really do think that, especially now, like there is a lack of good friendships portrayed, just like platonic relationships like yeah
2: and that's it's and that's not a gendered thing or or a a sexual orientation thing it's like no friendship is a thing that society's kind of lost in a lot of ways
1: and it's i mean there's always kind of like that undercurrent like i feel like with a lot of tv shows especially there's always that kind of undercurrent where these two characters might have any sort of tension and there's always a like a will they won't they kind of thing which is fine and well and good and, and fun to explore but i think that we do need more just solid friendships.
0: Yeah. And yeah. this, this I scene think, especially um, this, is... I get that from 90s anime. <laughs> so I, I fill that in my life through like 90s shonen anime.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Um, also, I think this whole minute kind of like tells the story of friendship and loyalty because Aragorn, um, putting on the bracers from oh. Boromir is, okay, a, is sorry, a symbol is. Of, of more friendship and loyalty, even to someone that he could have an adversarial relationship mm-hmm. at times with. Like yeah. Boromir and Aragorn could very much be considered opponents um, or even enemies, and I can I can totally picture opportunities where they could have been fighting each other, mm-hmm. and yet Aragorn has this loyalty and this friendship and this kinship to. Um, the highest ideals of Boromir and what Boromir um, was always representing, even if yeah. he didn't necessarily yeah. represent it in the best way. Sometimes he represented it in a harsh way um, or an aggressive way, mm-hmm. but like Aragorn is still loyal to him, and I think that's a great friendship as well. Like, this whole minute is just like loyalty and friendship. Loyalty and friendship.
0: <laughs> and y- y- you mention it, and that's the thing I was, I was going to like... Be okay, like, oh, we already we'll, talked we'll so much. It, we'll say, we'll say, <laughs> We'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Because the, uh, the bracer thing is something that like I really, really like. Mm-hmm. So. But, but I, I do have I, some I, notes about the first part of this a minute. Okay. Okay. Uh the first which is the first of which for me is to me, this is the iconic Salmon Frodo moment, not the I can't carry it for you moment at the end of the trilogy. Oh, really? For me, this is the iconic Salmon Frodo moment. oh and it, it has been since I first had seen all three of these movies. And the reason is because in that moment there's so much more on their shoulders.
1: Literally. Literally uh-huh, and figuratively, like in
0: that moment <laughs> that that to me feels less purely motivated than this moment here.
2: I can see that. And I also feel like um when they're when they're on the mountain, I mean Sam is literally and figuratively carrying all the weight there, whereas this one is the two of them together um doing and, this. Like like Frodo had to pull Sam out of the water and then like they're having a mutual exchange. Whereas yeah. on then- the, on the mountain, Sam is it's it's one sided. But in because the boat. Sam's this like- is still Frodo. Yeah. Yeah.
0: By the time that moment happens on Mount Doom, Frodo's missing. Really- He's, he's a shell. He's yeah. not who he really is. And here, when he pulls Sam out of the water, he's still really Frodo. And Sam is Sam. And they haven't... And to me, that just makes this the purest moment of their relationship. I'm, my eyes are watering right now, Aww. too. Because I love Sam and Frodo so much. And I love Sam from the book so much. And there's so much Sam stuff in the book that's just not translated to the screen the way that I wanted it. But it still works so well for me and this moment is so powerful and it's slightly I one of the things I really love about this moment and uh I, I think it's Philippa in the commentary says that she kind of wishes that she hadn't made them different lo- different lines
1: oh I like that they're different lines. but
0: I love that they're different lines yeah. because what you were saying uh before you started your story about meeting Sean Aston about this feeling like a promise not to Gandalf but to everyone I think is underscored by the fact that it's a different yeah, line it. Yeah. because well, he doesn't say, don't you lose him? Sam, don't you leave him. him? Huh? Which is, which is different. I never like, realized that because don't you lose him is Sam keeping up with Frodo. Yeah. Don't you
2: leave uh-huh. him as Sam being beside Frodo. Uh, and it, well, now. and in a way that <laughs> the one that's in danger of losing Frodo is Frodo and not yeah. Sam. Like Frodo's going to lose himself. And Sam's his way back, his his little lighthouse to keep him coming back.
0: Yeah. So, and that's why this moment to me is the iconic Sam and Frodo moment, and not I'm the moment
2: on Mount Doom. I'm sold. I, this is a better moment than Mount Doom. I'm I'm 100 <laughs> behind you. Yeah. I, I, I had not really s- thought about it, but well, yeah, I I'm on board. I have
3: uh, something I was going to say for the, for the last minute, but I'm going to save it since we're going okay. okay. Long, but like it, it could definitely tie into. Any moment of throughout this week, but this moment, especially.
0: I do have one more little note about this. Okay. The boat scene with Sam and Frodo was directed by Fran. Yeah. So Fran Walsh directed this and she did a great job.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love that the most iconic Sam moment, I guess, for you guys, at least is directed by a woman. I mean like I'm coming off my Wonder Woman high I don't know if I'm ever gonna come off my Wonder Woman high but like this, this
0: you shouldn't just, that movie was a pis oh
1: this just feels so earnest and earned and just so I don't like good with like a capital G I it's uh oh, it's wonderful
2: we need more stuff directed by women
1: yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> yeah if, if this is what we get from it yeah I want more seriously <laughs> let patty Jenkins direct Superman
0: yeah <laughs>
1: That's the wrong show. I don't care. Wrong show. <laughs> uh, but I think I think that wraps up this minute.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: I think so.
1: I think this is the longest we've gone talking about someone who isn't Boromir, which is I like- think right. <laughs> I think
2: you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Although a, a big chunk of this episode is Boromir.
1: Yeah, that's true. Boromir's in this one, so I don't know if it counts. <laughs>
2: That's okay. I'll talk a little bit more about Boromir tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, he's he's worth talking about. <laughs> and so is Sam. You're you're not gonna get to talk about Boromir as much for the next two movies. Oh, You'll I get know. plenty of Sam.
0: Oh, we won't we gosh. won't get to talk about Boromir at all, except like in the context of how his sacrifice I'm affected so others.
1: Sad now. We're until really sad. the third
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> like we were, we're not gonna see Sean Bean again until movie three. Oh
1: man. But on that depressing note. Uh, we are from the website DuelingGenre.com check us out there as well as Back to the Future Minute, Harry Potter Minute um, which have both, like, Back to the Future is wrapped up for good which is really sad Um, Harry Potter Minute's wrapped up, Sorcerer's Stone they'll be back soon Uh, Ferris Bueller's Minute Off is starting soon with Gary and Victoria they're doing that in the hiatus which is going to be awesome Um, Spider-Man Minute, Toy Story Minute lots of stuff going on check those out as well as Disney Animation Minute Essentials our friends over there yes check us out (laughs) Yes. Um, and special thanks to our Patreon associate producers Leaper182 and Ed Foster I hope everyone has a good Wednesday and you haven't cried like we have you probably did it's (laughs) fine and we'll see you tomorrow for uh, Bracer Talk Bracer (laughs) Selves. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. <laughs> <laughs>